Welcome to the Sports Film Pitch, where we bring amazing true stories and pitch them to you as the next great sports movie. I'm your host, Ethan Reese, a sports historian and movie quote expert, and I am bringing you this great combo of sports and movies. We all love sports movies like Rudy, Moneyball, Remember the Titans. And all of these movies are based off true stories. And they all started with a pitch. And that is where we are starting. Because there are so many more true stories out there that could be made into the next great blockbuster. We're going to give you the casting so you can visualize these characters as we tell you the amazing story. And then we're going to finish it off with a great parody theme at the end. So stick around. And now is time for the pitch. In a heist movie like no one has ever seen before. Stealing what most would think is useless. One man will fight to win the MVP. And one man will fight to stay on the scene. When they come together, hijinks ensue. In Bat Heist, coming to Sportsville Pitch this Thursday. So, Bat Heist, where are we going to cast in the leads? We're going to have two leads in this story. There are two men that are the main focus of the story. And those two men are Albert Bell and Jason Grimsley. Now, this is going to be a comedy heist movie. I know it sounds weird for a sports movie to be a comedy heist movie. How many different genres can you have? Yeah, sounds a little crazy. But it fits in the what happens in the story. You'll see that. So, we're going to need some two actors that have good chops comedically. And, you know, look like our characters that we're trying to portray. So, the first one is Albert Bell. Who is going to play this great baseball player? Albert Bell, we'll go into, is a great, great baseball player. Guy, guy that should have been the MVP, but he's also a jerk. And the only reason he never won an MVP is because he was a jerk. And so you got to have those two things where he's a goody-goody and a jerk. And I think a guy that can play that well, for one, he looks like, has the look, and can play those two things where you look you're good and also a jerk is Damon Wayans Jr. Now you probably know Damon Wayans Sr. the guy that was in Living Color and uh was in Major Pain as the lead character in that and you know one of the Wayans brothers you know you got Damon Keegan Sean and Marlon those main brothers also had Six other siblings. So many kids in there. And crazy that how many of them became famous. But Damon looks a lot like his father. If you haven't seen him, he he was in the movie Let's Be Cops. He's in New Girl as Coach. He's in Happy Endings as Jake in that TV show. And he was also in My Wife and Kids with his father, Damon. And he's been multiple things in smaller roles as well. So mainly a TV actor, but he's done movies too. And 
He has the acting chops. He just has that look of Albert Bell. I think he could play a jerk as well as, you know, that goody-goody that Albert tried to portray. So that's going to be our Albert Bell. Now, Jason Grimsley. Now, Jason Grimsley's kind of your down-home country, you know, athlete, you know, that you know, best athlete in town, in a small town. Nothing that really writes home about, doesn't do anything bad, doesn't do anything crazy, but has a lot of um, strong features in his look. Very strong jaw, big jaw. Um, he looks... And in this comedy role, he's going to have a lot of musical things going on. Not that he has to sing a lot. It's not a musical per se. I think we could make a musical. Sports musical. Let's put that on the books for later. We'll find a sports musical. <laughs> this one already has enough genres going on. So we're going to focus on the heist. But it's going to have some music jokes in it. And I think a good guy musically and a good guy that can play kind of a goofball, which is going to be his role in this kind of a goofball, just trying to get everyone to like him and everything is Adam Devine. Adam Devine, you know, he was in Workaholics, Pitch Perfect movies as Boomer, Mike and Dave, opposite Zac Efron, also in The Righteous Gemstones movie going on. He, he had a, a recurring role in Modern Family. And he's really a, a star growing you know, he's getting more and more recognizable. But the, those are the main things you're going to recognize him for. And in Pitch Perfect, he proved that he can sing and has some musical abilities, able to dance around and do things like that, which fits the character, as you'll see when we go through the story. Now that Jason Grimsley may not be that way. You don't know him personally, but the story we're going to tell, the comedy aspects are going to come from music. So that's where Adam really fits in. And... You know, he's from a small town in the Midwest. Really fits Jason Grimsley that he's just going to be that small town guy that tries to make good. Now we come to the beginning of the movie. And what we're going to start with is introducing these two characters. We're going to start with Albert Bell, the guy that is just as a child, pitch perfect. And so, you know, originally... In the story, or in true life, Albert goes by Joey. His name is Albert Jawan Bell Jr. And he goes by Joey because his dad is also Albert. And he goes by Joey all the way through when he becomes a professional baseball player. But he eventually changes his name to Albert. He goes by Joey. We're going to stick with Albert in the movie. Because it's just kind of confusing to go two different names from one character. It's like... The Andy and Drew situation in the office doesn't really go over very well. Albert is actually born a twin, so we can start with, you know, he has this twin, Terry. You know, they're fraternal twins. They're not identical, but you have a char another character. It kind of goes through this beginning movie. I wouldn't say this is a montage, but kind of just going through the beginning of his lives, what's going on. His dad is a baseball and football coach, and his mom is a math teacher, and so he's got a well-grounded highly educated like focused family 
and he does very well in school. He becomes an Eagle Scout. He graduates sixth in his class in high school. He's, so he's focused on his grades and his his family life is very disciplined. You know, if no, there's no access to the family, if you sit, do anything wrong, you do push-ups or anything like that. He's very focused individual and looks like a guy you'd want to have. It looks like the perfect kid. He is also a member of the National Honor Society and vice president of the local future business leaders of America in his chapter. And so he's growing up. He's just this perfect idyllic kid. You don't really see anything wrong with him. He, he just like has the music playing. It's like, it's easy. It's why it's easy. Albert's life is so easy like Sunday morning. So that, that could be the song going over the montage. Pay attention to the music. They're all good. So he also excels in baseball and he plays for the U.S. Junior Olympic team and wins a silver medal while playing in the outfield and also pitching one of the games in that Junior Olympics. And Albert, he was born in Louisiana and he wants to stay near home. So he ends up accepting a scholarship to Louisiana State University. Which is always one of those schools where you're like, what's Louisiana State University? LSU. It's one of those schools that's like USC, LSU. They only go by their initials. You may, when you hear their full name, you're like, what's that? It doesn't sound right. But it's LSU. So he goes there and he doesn't do anything his first year, but he has like a strong, he has like 35 at bats and hits like seven home runs. And like he's showing abilities. Like abilities to really have skill, but he's a freshman and so he's not getting the playing time you normally do. But in his sophomore and junior year, he starts to crank it up a notch, gets selected to all SEC teams, and has a lot of success while there. Now, this is when we come into the movie and we start to see him becoming a jerk. You know, you have that everything's going well, everything's going nice perfect idyllic person okay and then we go into him being a jerk now this this story is a little bit like is he a jerk or not it's one of those things where he needs to have composure he doesn't really have composure in stressful situations i'm not condoning what happened and i'm not saying his actions weren't warranted in this situation i think they are but he's also wanting to get to the majors not wanting to have any negative things because this is his junior year after your junior year in baseball you can get drafted and it's and getting noticed by scouts and scouts are at this game an important year and he's doing very well but there's a fan that starts heckling him while he's out in the outfield saying racist slurs to him don't know what exactly was said but that's what Albert said is that he was saying racist slurs to him so he comes out jumps the wall in the outfield I'm just picture picture this yeah you're all out there warming up and this guy's heckling and the other two outfielders just see this guy <laughs> Albert just jump out of the field everyone sees him just jump out of the field like what's going on so there the other outfielders are running after him trying to go get him 
and even Terry, his brother is on this team too. So he's running to come help as much as possible. And they may have not heard what the guy is saying, or they may have, but you know, in no way should your player be going to beat up somebody in the stands. And so you kind of get that change in him, like the focus. And because of this incident, they end up pulling him off the guy, but he gets suspended for the College World Series, so he doesn't play during that, which is a big time for scouts and everyone. Scouts love to go to a place where they can see multiple players and not have to go anywhere. They just keep playing, and they can just sit there, relax, and watch the games. Scouts love that. They don't want to travel everywhere. So he doesn't get to play in that. But the good thing is he is drafted. And he's drafted in the second round to the Cleveland Indians. Which getting drafted in the second round in baseball, you know, you hear second round in, in NBA, you know, you may not play. Second round in baseball, second round in the NFL, you're probably going to be playing probably a very good player. And in baseball, it's more similar to football. You're probably going to play. You're probably, you're going to get the opportunities to succeed. So he's drafted. Then we cut back. Then we cut back and we go into Jason. His coming to his time. And this timeline, they're a year apart in age. Albert's actually a little older, a year older than Jason. So there's a little bit of age gap, but not much. So things are happening simultaneously. You kind of go through the comparison of their lives. And he is coming from, you know, a happy home, not a lot of stress. Because one brother, they're not twins, but everything's kind of going well. He's loved in the community, similar to Albert. You know, things are similar, but he's not as disciplined, not having to be as structured. He can be carefree, and he can just go have fun all night long, night, oh, all night long, ooh, all night long. And so he has Lionel Richie just playing over the background, and he grows his love for Lionel Richie in high school, around the eight, early 80s when he's becoming even more of a star, and you know, those songs when you're in high school and young kid, they resonate with you for the rest of your life. That'll come in smart. And so he's he's going well, going good. And he's pitching well. He's getting in the 90s when he's in high school, which is very impressive to be pitching in the 90s and have some control. A lot of, a lot of guys at that age can throw very hard, but you have no idea where it's going. He had some control and was able to throw in a breaking pitch, a really nice slider. And he gets noticed by Major League Scouts early. And he gets drafted into the 10th round by the Philadelphia Phillies. There are a lot of rounds in the, in the draft for Major Leagues. The 10th round isn't a high round. You may not even make the team at any point. He has a choice. He can go to school or he can go play for the Phillies. That's kind of how the draft works. You either decide to out of high school, go straight to the majors or go to college for at least three years and then go to the majors. So he makes the decision to go in the major leagues. Now he has a different experience than Albert at this time. Albert's, you know, having the success at LSU. 
but he's struggling. He's struggling in the minors. And he, he's just struggling to find his place, is what we're doing. And But he eventually gets to go, because he was drafted as a starting pitcher, but you need relievers in baseball. And most relievers were at one point a starter, and they start to you know, notice he can do the reliefs, pitch for good for a few innings instead of starting. So he starts to go into that role, and that role actually has success in more than when he's a starting pitcher. So he's struggling and struggling, and then he starts to have success. And they're like, okay, let's try to do this. And he's like, okay, that sounds good. Let's go. He's positive. Okay. Throughout the whole movie, he's going to be a positive guy. Okay. Yeah, I can go pitch. I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's a yes man. He he does whatever he's asked. He works his way up to being called up for the Phillies in September of 1989. And this is where we, we kind of start to show both characters in 1989 both characters make it to the major leagues so kind of split screen or going back and forth between both characters and how they're portraying in the majors but 89 is rough for both of them jason ends up with a record of one and three an era of 5.89 high era and wins and losses for a relief pitcher mean almost nothing because you shouldn't be in that position where you win or lose. But if you have a lot of lo- if you have more losses than wins, that's not a good sign. So he's struggling in his first year. And Albert is struggling his first year. So they're both struggling. Albert hits seven home runs that season, batting average of 225. It's not great average. Not- this is where they kind of go they're separate ways. You know, they've been both kind of the goody-goodies and everything, and Albert starts to drink a lot. Now, in truth, Albert denies he was a big drunk, but he starts to, you know, wreck clubhouses, and he's struggling, and he's dealing with this, you know, these struggles in a bad way, and he's struggling more and more and more, and he gets angry, he beats, he destroys locker rooms, he threatens people, he yells at reporters, all this stuff, and the Indians, you know, say, I think you need to go to rehab. And so the next season, they send him to rehab because he's not handling things. And Jason, on the other hand, he takes it like, he takes a criticism from people. He's like, okay, okay, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And his, his next season, he does better. He has a winning record of three and two and goes three and has an ERA of. 3.3 which is not a bad ERA not you know all-star level but it's not a bad ERA to have so he's he's having more success so he's doing good and everything but he gets traded to Houston for Kurt Schilling you know that's like his one claim to fame is other than this incident he's like oh I got traded for Kurt Schilling so he gets traded for Kurt Schilling and he just does not the Houston does not want him in this trade. They just don't want him. And they actually cut. He is out of baseball. So he's devastated. He'll do whatever he needs to get back in the game. Whatever he needs to do. He's like, he's out of the game completely in 92. Completely does not play. But he'll do whatever he can to get back in the game. And Albert comes out of rehab. And he, he 
will do whatever he can to get back to being that best player. That way he was in high school, that way he was in college. He'll do whatever he can. And that's when these two teams join together. So these two characters are, are going to join together and they want to be part of this. They will do whatever they can to get back. And so Jason, of course, do yes. He tried out for the Indians and they gave him a shot. They, they gave him a shot in the minors and they called him back up. And he said, yes, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can pitch better. I can pitch better. I can do whatever you need. I'll do whatever I can to stick around. And the Indians remember that. And Albert said, you know, in talking to people in this baseball rehab, they're like, you know what you can do to get back? You can get out of here? Cork bats. I got, this is just real sketchy guy. I got a way I can make a bat look Perfectly uncorked. You never have to worry about it. And you will get back to being that star you were in high school and college. Because you will have that corked bat. So he takes him up on it. He's like, do it. Let's do this. So he has a sketchy friend. Giving him corked bats. And everyone starts, starts to notice, like, what's this guy doing? What's this? <laughs> Why is this guy getting cut these customized bats out of everyone else and he starts to do better he starts to do better in the year 1994 he starts to have his best season of all time he is hitting 357 that is his batting average he's not leading the league he's number two in the league in batting average number one in total basis and by the time the season ends he is number three in MVP voting. Could have maybe been number one if he wasn't a jerk. But remember, he's always a jerk to the media and will never stop that. But Cleveland Indians call up Jason. Albert's having this great season and they call up Jason and he's doing whatever he can. Just anything asked of him, he always does. They're like, hey, Jason, wash my feet. Okay, yes, sir. Yes, I will, I'll do whatever I can to be on this team. You know, he'll do whatever he can. And then comes the day. They're playing a game against the White Sox. And the manager got a tip from somebody that Alper is using a cork bat. That's how he's having such a good season. Out of nowhere, he goes from hitting the low 200s to hitting way over 300. It looks a little suspicious. So they, the rule is in the MLB, a manager can pick out any bats. Like, hey, check this bat. Just want to make sure it's okay of the imposing team. And so well, the White Sox manager picks out a bat, gives it to the umpire, say, hey, just check this bat. Make sure it's okay. And the umpire you know, does a brief inspection of it. Just says, eh, it looks good. Nothing out of the ordinary. But the game's about to start, so he puts it up. He puts it into his locker room where they have a guard outside the door because you know, need to protect the umpires from unruly fans or crazed players that may go after them. So you have that area with a guard outside of it. So they place it, you know, and they kind of hide it in the like just cover with some clothes. Not like they lock it up or anything. This is very under the radar. So Albert Bell and the GMs. 
asking the coaches for the Indians get word of this. Like, what are we going to do? What do we... Like, if they catch us, you know, this ruins my chances for MB. This could ruin our chances to make the playoffs because they, at this point, they were just barely in the wild card seating and and almost could win the division. They're within shooting distance of the of the division. And if they, you know, hadn't made the playoffs in years, so this was a big moment for them. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? So they're they're thinking about this, and then. They look over, and Jason's just jamming out to some tunes by his locker. And you just hear, Oh, what a feel! Because we're dancing on the ceiling. Oh, what a feeling! Jason's combing his Jerry Curl out because he's got Jerry Curl because he just loves Lionel Richie. He's ever since he was in college, ever since he was in high school, Lionel Richie's just been his favorite thing and he's always listening to Lionel Richie They're like ceiling Albert and the coaches are like it's the ceiling what if we have someone climb through the ceiling and go get into their room and replace the bat with another now we cut to a crime scene we see a crime tape on the door and the Major League's taking this seriously. This is a security breach. This is supposed to be a secure area where the umpires can feel, can feel safe. There's not supposed to be anyone that can get in there. And this has clearly had someone break in and not just through a door. The guard has been there the entire time. No one has gotten past the guard. He did not let anyone through. So what happened? So they're bringing in the CSI and then walks a man who pulls off a sunglass and he goes I am an FBI agent it's Keanu Reeves reprising his role from Boy Break of course why wouldn't he do that why wouldn't he be in this movie right it's not that FBI agent but they do call in a former FBI agent because this is a big deal. They want to find out what happened and no one's talking. And they come in and stuff's moved all around where it wasn't before. You know, with the clothes and everything. Look like it's been rifled. Picked through and everything. They look up and it's those ceiling tiles you see in almost every office building or school or anything. And they're like kind of ribbed and has debris coming off of them. There's that insulation from the ceiling that's on the ground so it looks and the metal brackets holding those tiles are bent a little bit so it looks by the evidence that someone has come through the ceiling they look up in the ceiling and it looks like they're it came from a certain area so they they trace back that area and it comes that back to the locker of the cleveland and so they're doing these intense investigations. Now, in real life, these investigations weren't done that intensely. It was just kind of swept under the rug because they're like, okay, they took the bat. We're going to, if you don't want to give us a bat, we'll just, you know, leave this to the federal authorities. That's what the major league said. And they're like, okay, we'll give you the bat. But we're going to make it seem like they were interrogating everyone on the team. Like, what, what happened? Keanu comes in and goes, I was an FBI agent over and over. 
to everybody and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and obviously, in this scenario, Albert, who is obviously going to be key numero uno of who would have done this, has an alibi. He was on the field during the game. So it couldn't have been him. So who would have been had the means to be in the locker room and not be noticed for not being on the field? Relief pitchers. They're not on the field all the time. They sit in the bullpen. They have access to the locker room at any time. They can go and come as they please. So that is their number of suspects. And they come in on Jason. And he breaks. He breaks. He tells everything. He's like, I can't. I don't, I don't want to go to jail. I can't do that. I can't go to jail. I got a family, man. I can't go to jail. It's just a bat. It's just a bat. <laughs> so he breaks like that. And so in reality, he doesn't actually break for another five years. When he gets in trouble with some steroid issues, they're like, well, I can tell you about another incident and what really happened. And that is what he tries to do. But he, we're going to... For the movie, we're going to go into this. And he breaks and he tells them all of what happened. And this is where we do the, he's doing the narration of what's happening. He's like, he goes, you know, I was just chilling, listening to, oh, what a man, comb my beautiful Jerry Curl. You know, like Lionel, the all-time greatest singer of all time. Keanu's like, okay. And then the manager and Albert come to me and he's like, hey, uh, we, we got this problem and we know you're a team player and you want to help the team in any way. We need you to go and replace these bats that we have. Uh, they took one of Albert's bats. It's one of his practice bats. It's got a cork in it and they think it's one of the ones he really used. It was a mistake. We don't want anyone to get in trouble. And he's like, oh, okay. So what, what do I got to do? Like, why are you telling me? <laughs> I was like, I'm just a relief pitcher. I don't even deal with bats. I don't bat. I only pitch. And he's like, no, no, no. We want you to crawl through the ceiling because, you know, you're a thin guy. You can get through the ceiling and go get the bat for us. Just replace it with a bat that looks similar. It's, it's a black bat. You just go grab another black bat. They won't notice the difference. He's like, why don't we grab one of Albert's? I was like, oh, well, actually, all of his are corked by mistake. So we, we got to grab someone else's bat. He's like, okay. I go and grab Paul Sorrento's bat because they have similar looking bats. But I didn't realize when I grabbed it, it was a new bat. It hadn't been used. So I tried to scuff it up a little bit. And so I scuff it up a little bit. And they're like, I go and look through the ceiling. Um, they laid out the, they actually had blueprints on the table. And I, I looked at them. And I saw you know, where where I was. I go, I'm here. And then where I was going was over here. And I looked through the ceiling tiles. I was like, man, it's also dark and dirty there. Um, do we have any gloves? I'm like, well, of course. Here, grab some batting gloves. It's like, okay, that works. Oh, good. And that, no fingerprints too, right? Right. And and then it's like, well, it's also dusty. Do you have anything like, not like a catcher's mask, but anything else? I mean, yeah, we got some cleaning mask. Oh, you can wear, wear a cleaning. He puts on that. Has some gloves. He's saying to Keanu, I had to, I had to army crawl my way all the way over there, and then I tried to go down and be like, make it look nothing like. I was there, except when you get there, there's no where to jump off of. Like I was able to use a step stool to get up in our locker room, but in their locker room, I didn't have that. So I fell down onto the ground and broke the metal pieces and insulation fell down with me. 
and I cracked one of the ceiling tiles and then I go back up and I try to find it because it's not out in the open going through all their clothes and stuff. I find it. I replace, I, get, I give them Paul Sorrento's bat and I take that corked bat and I, I'm looking around where, where can I put this or I got to make this look like as much as I was not here as possible. But, you know, it, it was impossible. <laughs> I fell through the ceiling. You can't just fall through the ceiling and no one noticed, right? So I, I just tried to make it the best I could and just came back. And that's that's the story. I, did, I didn't do anything bad. Is that even illegal? Like, it, it, it's like, it's it has his name on it. I did it for him. Like, my, my, what? I'm good, right? No, 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 no jail. I don't, I, I can't do prison, man. I can't do it. So they're, they're talking like, it's okay, okay. You know, Moby is not going to press charges as long as Albert cooperates. So Albert and the manager of the Indians go take the bat to their headquarters at MLB. It gets x-rayed and sawed in half. Frankly, why would you x-ray it? Just saw it in half. Really? You had to go overboard. But we'll, we'll, we'll use it in the movie just to make it even more. So they go through it and x-ray it. Obviously, it's corked. They only had to do one. And he gets suspended. Ten games. All this effort, all this FBI agent, all this other stuff. He gets ten game suspension. And he appeals it. Your bat was corked. And you appeal it. And they even reduce it to seven. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Because then the Players Association goes on strike. And they don't even finish the season. It didn't matter that he got suspended. They didn't make the playoffs because they, there was no playoffs. There was no World Series that year. <laughs> All because of a strike. And he got lucky. But he was having his best year. It was one of his best years ever. And it it was kind of marred by that. But he finished third in the MVP voting. Probably should have been first or second. By his numbers. Well, remember... He was a jerk to everybody. <laughs> when you're a jerk to media and they're the ones that give the MVP voting, it's not going to help. And so in that, that's kind of where we conclude the movies. That they find it, everything, and they go back and we recap with the epilogue. The epilogue shows, you know, Albert went on the next season to finish second in the MVP, even though having better stats than the MVP move on that year. Because he was a jerk. <laughs> we won't say he's a jerk, but it will say he finished second, ended up making multiple more All Stars, and having a a career, but wasn't out of crime completely. You know, arrested in 2006 for indecent exposure, where he a helicopter with a wing dingy. <laughs> I don't know why. Kind of a funny way, just like crime didn't go far from him. Then we go to Jason, and Jason had a nice 15-year career. Went on to continue to play into the 2000s and actually won World Series with the Yankees in 99 and 2000. So he had a decent career. Nothing Hall of Fame worthy, nothing crazy, but he made money, and he was able to make a career out of baseball, which he loved, and he loved to be a part of it. And since then, there have been multiple players with cork bats. And that is the story of Bat Heist. <laughs> the Albert Bell Jason Grimson story. Story. Damon Wayans Jr. and Adam Devine. 
And that, that's the, that is the movie. The great story. A crazy story. Like, why? why it is, like, almost not worth it. It is so childish of a, of a thing to do to try to get away with something. Very childish thing. Very high school-like. It's like, these guys aren't very old. They're in their early 20s. So it was childish. And they were very childish. And even have the management go along with it. It shows you sometimes wins are more important than decency to some people. But luckily, we got to have this great story and be a part of it. Thank you for listening to the Sports Film Pitch. If you like the show, share it with a friend. And the more we grow, the more great stories we can bring you. If you know a great sports story that hasn't been made into a movie or hasn't got its just dues, you can let us know at the Sports Film Pitch on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or on sportsfilmpitch.com. Please subscribe to wherever you listen to. You can go to the website and find where all the apps we are. And if we're not on your app, let us know. We're a believer in giving back. And we're going to donate a portion of any money we generate from this podcast to a sports charity. If you have a sports charity that you are involved in and you love to be a part of, let us know. Right now, we're going to be donating to the Special Olympics, which is an organization I have been a part of basically my entire life. And I love to be a part of, and I love their mission. So again, let us know. Talk to us. We want to be involved. We want you to help. If there's a casting you like, if there is a story out there, if there's a charity out there, let us know everything. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you again on the next episode.